Imagine the scene. Alone in her classroom, a religion and worldviews teacher is planning a scheme of work. Okay, it's going well, I think. Nearly there. Done the aims and the links to the national entitlement. Now, got to pin down some substantive content. Moses is a key figure in Jewish history associated with the giving of the Torah. The Vedas are among the oldest scriptures in Hinduism. Non-religious worldviews are a majority in the UK. But there's a problem. Inside that teacher's head, there's sometimes another voice. Maybe an academic tutor, maybe an advisor or a teacher colleague or a member of a belief community. Or maybe an internalised inner critic. A voice that instantly raises objections. Moses is a key figure in Jewish history associated with the giving of the Torah. Ah, but not all Jews make the Torah central to their practice. There is Kabbalah too, don't forget, and there are secularised Jews who don't observe all the commands. The Vedas are among the oldest scriptures in Hinduism. Don't say Hinduism. It's a Western, Orientalist construct. And anyway, what you call Hinduism is vast, varied, and quite often uses ritual and practice rather than scriptures. Non-religious worldviews are a majority in the UK. That's true, but you can't treat the non-religious as a homogenous group. And even defining them as non-religious makes it seem negative, as if they are characterised by something that they don't have. Well, what can I teach then? Is there any taught content that will stand up on its own without these endless qualifications and elaborations? Many teachers have heard that voice. Quite often it chips in with half a dozen reasons why we can't teach this or why we can't teach that. In scholarly terms, the voice speaks the truth. It really is more complicated than our knowledge formulas sometimes make it seem. But how helpful is it to be interrupted by that voice? How helpful is it to a teacher planning what to teach to be told at every turn that they can't teach that because it's contested? Well, not very helpful if I'm honest. Contested? Of course it's contested. In the domain of knowledge that we inhabit, the world of beliefs, myths, subtly complex and evolving cultural traditions, texts, meanings and interpretive strategies, questions, ethical theories, almost all the curricular material we handle can be contested. And the national entitlement strongly suggests we need to address the internal diversity of belief systems. Change, diversity and continuity is also one of the six big ideas. So where does this leave me as a teacher of worldviews? Where does it leave my primary colleagues? Must every taught point be qualified with a Oh, but this is too simple, or This is not true for this group, or This should not be understood in abstract. What kind of subject will we be if we do that? Let's leave this teacher in peace for a moment and take a walk down the corridor to the science classroom. Here, a teacher is working with a science national curriculum order which says that in key stage two, children must be taught about, among other things, solid objects, that dark is the opposite of light, and how to describe the movement of the Earth and other planets relative to the sun. Now even I, a non-scientist, can see how these pieces of information create understandings in pupils' minds that fail to capture the full complexity of the universe. Yet the information is, in its own light, clear. It can be taught clearly. It builds pathways towards complexity rather than trying to go direct to the complexity itself. 
Then in Key Stage 3, children must be introduced explicitly to the disciplines of biology, chemistry and physics. They must be taught a simple Dalton atomic model, colours and the different frequencies of light and density differences in solid objects. What's different in science is that knowledge is identified and taught with all its incompleteness and simplification and the sky doesn't fall in. Knowledge builds on knowledge in subsequent key stages and the pupils don't feel betrayed. The universities and research labs do not interrupt with, but you can't say that. In science, knowledge is produced at national level. Particular pressure groups don't get a look in. How have we come to this? Why do we feel the need to package information up so neatly? Why are we scared of the overlap, messiness, points of diversity? Why do we simply ignore the serious contestations, such as when religion is used to permit injustice and domination? Actually, it's this that makes the subject so interesting. And for those students who will never love the subject, they can at least find some critical material to engage with that reflects the messiness and nuance of the world we live in, as opposed to a weird, sterile terrain where no one ever argues, asks why or wants to change. Well, as educators, I think we should open the doors to messiness and contestation. We are trained teachers. We can gradually build up to a more complex and complete understanding over time. We can allude to complexity in conversation with students, as a science teacher might when teaching at a particular level. We can glean our information from scholarly sources, theology, philosophy, ethics, history and the social sciences. Rather than a nice chap on Sacre who's actually a dentist, but because he's also a local Hindu who will turn up, he gets to decide what our students learn. We can take back the educational imperative. We are educators. So yes, teach that Moses is a key figure and the Torah is central. Teach the Vedas in Hinduism. Teach about non-religious and post-religious beliefs. Do it as accurately as you can, but do it fearlessly, safe in the knowledge that the pupils will not faint when later they learn it's not quite that simple. They will dismantle their constructed understandings and build new ones, using the building blocks you gave them. They'll forgive you. You must forgive yourself.